0: Well, tonight, we are finishing up our series in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, if you have been here for this series over the past few weeks, that you know that one of the things that we have been dealing with is the theme of suffering and God's sovereignty in the midst of our suffering. And so tonight, we come to the last passage in the book of Habakkuk, this, a great statement of faith. And so it brings us to a question as we come to the end tonight of the book of Habakkuk. How are you supposed to respond when you face devastating loss? How are you supposed to respond when your life is forever changed because of what has happened to you? How are you supposed to respond when the pain that you're going through seems unbearable? How are you supposed to respond when your sense of loss seems overwhelming at the time? How are you supposed to respond when, humanly humanly speaking, it seems like you have no hope? About 10 years ago, I heard the story of a a man, his wife, his family, who were driving down the road uh, in their van. Uh, As they were driving along, they Uh, They had a flat tire, and so the family pulled off on the side of the road. Uh, And as the husband and wife got out, they went around to the back of the van. As they got to the back of the van, a truck swerved and hit the van. Missed the husband and wife, but hit the van with the kids inside. And all the kids were killed. A moment of absolute devastation for this husband and wife. How are they supposed to respond as believers in God, as men and women who trust in the God who is sovereign over all things? Is it possible to walk by faith when tragedy strikes? Is it possible to stand firm in the Lord when times like that happen. So that's our question tonight. How do we respond when we face loss, when we face pain, when we face suffering, tragedy, death, whatever it may be that comes into our lives? So take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3. The text that we're going to deal with tonight is one of the most amazing statements of faith in all of Scripture in which Habakkuk knows all these things that are coming, but yet stands firm, rejoicing in faith in God. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. I want you to hear the word of the Lord this evening. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. Tonight I want us to consider these three verses and I want us to ask ourselves a question, how will I respond when I face Loss, suffering, pain, whatever it might be that might come into my life. How will I respond when I face that situation? And so tonight I want to begin by examining the circumstances that Habakkuk was facing. You know, we've been working through the book of Habakkuk for several weeks, and, and so I want to remind you of some of the things that have already gone on in this book and what God has already spoken to Habakkuk. If you remember the way the book of Habakkuk started out, it started with. Habakkuk presenting a complaint to God. He was wondering, how long is this injustice that I'm seeing among my people, how long is this going to keep going on? How long is wickedness and sin and injustice going to reign in Judah? God's response to Habakkuk isn't exactly what Habakkuk was expecting. God said, I'm going to do something that you wouldn't believe if I told you but it was kind of something that Habakkuk wasn't wanting. God was describing how he was going to raise up a people that would fight against Judah and a people who would bring devastation, destruction uh, against his people, Judah. And when Habakkuk hears this, he doesn't understand. He says, how can this be? Aren't Aren't you the holy one God? I don't understand how this can happen. And so God gives words to Habakkuk at that point. God says to Habakkuk, the righteous will walk by faith. In other words, Habakkuk, you don't understand and you won't understand all that I'm going to do. But you walk by faith knowing these things are coming. And so at that point, Habakkuk responds to God in prayer. He turns to God in prayer, not knowing, not understanding all that's going to happen, but prays a great prayer of faith and trust in the Lord. And so as he thinks about what is coming, what God has just said, he, he remembers the things that God has done in the past. These powerful works in which God has brought salvation to his people in which God has caused the sun to stand still in the sky, in which God has led them safely through the waters uh, when he led them out of slavery in Egypt and led them into the promised land. And that God who did those things, certainly the God who did those things, can still rescue his people, can still bring them safely through the tragedy that is to come. And so he knows everything that God has been saying is going to happen. And so knowing all that's going to happen, He comes to the end of his prayer here, beginning at verse 16. I want you to hear, Habakkuk understands. He knows what he's getting ready to face. And so he says, I heard, and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble. Because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to rise who will invade us. He knows what's coming, and he trembles at the thought of what he's getting ready to experience. And so this is where he comes to. Now, in this great statement of faith, starting here in verse 17, and he lines out here what he is expecting, what may be happening when when this army comes in and invades Judah. And so I want you to follow along in verse 17. I want you to hear there are six ways that Habakkuk says devastation is going to come among his people. Listen to this. He starts out saying, though the fig tree should not blossom. Now, figs for the people of Israel were, were kind of a delicacy. It, it wouldn't be something that every person would have, uh, maybe the, the caviar of the day, so to speak. And, and so Habakkuk says, though the, the fig trees not produce anything, though there should not be any blossom." That doesn't, that's not a big deal, right? You miss out on a delicacy, that's not, that's not a major thing. So he says, though that should happen. All right, and now let's move on to the next thing, see what he says. Though there be no fruit on the vines. And so this, is, this one's a little bit worse. What's he talking about here? The vines are grapevines. And so he's speaking here of though there's not any more grapes. So now if there are no grapes, there are no grapes to eat, and then there's no wine that can be made from it. Now, this is, this is where it gets to be a little bit more serious. In a, in a culture that doesn't have access to clean drinking water, what's the access that they have to something clean to drink? It has to be something that they make themselves. And so if there's no grapes, then their drink is gone. All right, so this gets a little bit more serious for them. So the next thing, though, the yield of the olive should fail. Now we're getting into something serious. One of the main crops for the people of Judah was olives. And so if they don't have olives, they don't have olive oil. This would have been major devastating thing for them. You remember the Old Testament story of uh, Elijah and the widow of Zarephath? You remember that story? There's this widow in the town of Zarephath, and she is extremely poor. Uh, And so Elijah goes up to this widow, and he asks her for a meal. And he asks, will you provide something for me to eat? And she says there are two things that she has. She has just a little bit of flour and then a little bit of what else? Do you remember? Just a little bit of oil. And so you remember what she said she was going to do? She said she was going to fix a small meal, and then she and her son were going to go die because they didn't have anything else. Olive oil was one of the main staples of their life. And so if there's no oil, lives are in danger. People are going to die because the olive crop has failed. This is devastating. But there's more. Habakkuk says, though the, field, the yield of the olives should fail, what else? Though the fields produce no food. Now, the things that are grown in the fields are primarily grain. Make bread out of grain. All right, so the olive has failed, and then what's the other staple? Bread. Bread no olives, no bread, people are going to starve to death. Whoever is left after the devastation that comes through with the army, a lot of them are just going to starve to death because they have nothing. And But yet he keeps on going and says, all right, though these things aren't there, though the flock should be cut off from the fold. All right, so let's say now there are no sheep There are no goats, we have no wool, we have have no more goats to eat. There are no uh, cattle in the stalls. The primary economic source besides uh, olives, we don't have that anymore. So everything we have to eat is gone. Everything we have for our economy is gone. And we have no money, nothing that we can buy with. Everything is gone now. That's it. And so is there any wonder... When Habakkuk thinks about this, in verse 16, he says he trembles at the thought of what is coming. Imagine that kind of devastation where there is nothing left. Would you not tremble in your innermost being? Would you not cry out like Habakkuk was? And so these are the circumstances that Habakkuk was facing. Now, is it possible that you and I would face a circumstance like that? it's possible. It's possible that there could be such devastation in our land that this would be the result. You know, I'm sure if you talk to people in Europe in about 1912, 1913, they would say things are going along fine. They would never imagine that five years later, most of their land would be wiped out in total devastation through a lot of the the countryside. So is it possible that we could face devastation like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. In our lifetime, who knows what may happen. But when you're considering, what is it that you'll face in your life? More than likely, what you will face is some kind of loss. You will probably face some kind of loss, suffering, devastation. You know, it may be the economic loss that he's talking about here, where you lose everything. You may face something where you lose a loved one. You may face some kind of suffering. You may face some kind of pain. But one thing that I am confident of is that if if we live long enough and the Lord tarries, each and every one of us will face pain, suffering, difficulty, hardship. Because Scripture has promised us that we as followers of the Lord will face difficulties. And so the question that we come to is how will you and I respond when we come to circumstances in which we experience pain and suffering, loss, devastation even? How do we do that? The example that we get from Habakkuk is something that we should strive for, this kind of example of faith. And so I want you to listen to what he says here in light of all this yet i will exalt in the lord i will rejoice in the god of my salvation in light of everything that habakkuk has been thinking about all he knows is coming all that he's pictured in his mind this is how he responds now that's that's one way to respond this kind of response of faith there are other ways that, that we could possibly respond when we're faced with loss and devastation, pain, suffering, one way that we can face these kinds of things it is to just grit our teeth and endure it. You know, when we go through pain and difficulty and and these just hard times in our lives, uh, we can we can do what uh, the British call have stiff upper lip. You know, in which you just face it and you grit your teeth and you endure it. You tough it out. Uh, there. There are times that we do that for good reasons, and then sometimes for not so good reasons. As a boy, I sometimes did what boys sometimes do, uh, which is I, I sometimes did some things that were less than intelligent. Uh, and so one of the things that I did that was one of my many less than intelligent things when I was a boy Uh, was I did something called a sissy test. Uh, And so this is not a smart thing, I will begin by telling you. But at my school, when I was about 10 years old, uh, there was this thing that went around that boys would see how tough they were. Uh, And so they would have competitions to see who was the toughest of the 10-year-olds in the 5th grade class. And so how would we do that? It was something called a sissy test, uh, in which we would take erasers and we would rub it on each other's hands. And after a while, well, a eraser does what a eraser does. It rubs things off, and it rubbed the skin off. And so you were the toughest of the 10-year-old boys in the class if you could endure longer than any of the other boys in the class. And so I have this great scar on my hand because I endured the sissy test. I was able to grit my teeth along with the other boys and say how tough I was before all my skin rubbed off and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Now, there are certain ways that are less than bright, like what I did, that we just grit our teeth and endure. You know, there have been some times where people have truly, just gritted their teeth and endured horrible pain, absolute agony, suffering. I've, I've seen pictures of monks in, in other countries who, when they were opposing the policies of their country, they lit themselves on fire, burned to death without moving, just endured it until they died. That's, that's just toughing it out. Now when we look at the example of Habakkuk here, is that what Habakkuk is doing? Is he simply just gritting his teeth and just enduring it, waiting for the evil to come and just, I'm going to get through this? Is that the picture that we get of Habakkuk here? No, that's not the response that we get at all. Habakkuk gives us a different picture, a different picture of how we respond When we face adversity, when we face difficulty, when we face suffering, when we face loss and devastation, all these different things that might come in our lives. When he knows that all these things are coming, what does he say in verse 18? Yet I will exult in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He rejoices even knowing that all these things are coming, knowing that the God of his salvation is there. Now, does this mean that Habakkuk is sitting there knowing these things are coming and laughs in the face of it? Does it mean that he's happy about these things coming? No, of course not. He's not happy that any of this stuff is coming. But yet he's looking at it in such a way, remembering who God is, that he responds in faith, trusting the Lord So much that he is still able to rejoice in the God who reigns over everything. Even though everything that he has talked about is coming. How do we do that? When you face these kinds of circumstances in your life, which will come, when you face hardship and suffering and pain, and when you face loss in your life, how is it possible for you to respond like Habakkuk did? A Christian response in which you're not just waiting it out for the pain to end, but yet you look at it, look at God and say, yet I still rejoice in the God of my salvation. That's the final thing that I want us to do tonight. Is I want us to consider how is it possible how is it possible that you and I can rejoice like Habakkuk in the midst of suffering? How is it that we can have this kind of faith in which we experience such loss, such devastation, but yet we say, I rejoice in the God of my salvation? How do we do that? Well, a lot of what we've already read in the book of Habakkuk reminds us of how that happens. Uh, you, remember, uh, you remember in chapter 2, that God pronounced all these woes uh, upon Babylon. You remember us reading through that and talking about that? We have a a great truth in that, that God will deal with evil. So we can be confident that God is going to bring all suffering, all pain to an end. Whether it happens in our life or when we go stand before Him in eternity forever, we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will eternally forever deal with all evil and suffering so that we experience it no more when we go to stand for him in his presence. That is a great point of encouragement when we face suffering and hardships and difficulties. You remember the prayer in chapter 3 where Habakkuk recounts and remembers these things which God worked in his sovereign mighty power. When he thinks about how God caused the sun to stand still in the sky. And how God led his people out safely, parted the waters. And how he thinks about that. And he thinks about, well, if God can do that, can he work in this situation as well? And and so when we remember the mighty acts of God and how he worked in the past, do we believe that God is the same yesterday and today? Absolutely. Absolutely. We trust that and we know that to be the case. And so if God can do those things, can He help us? Can He work as He's still sovereign in our situation today and the suffering that we experience? Absolutely. And so these things that, that, we, that we read about in the book of Habakkuk, we can know and we can walk by faith in the times of trouble, loss and suffering, devastation that we, ha- that we experience in our lives. We can know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, let me ask you a question to consider that you already know the answer to. Is God able to deliver you and to carry you through the suffering that you experience? Yes. Is He the same God? Yes. Will He carry you through? If you are a child of His, can you be confident that you're a God will uphold you and strengthen you through the worst things you may experience. Absolutely. You can know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And this this is the hope that Habakkuk clings to. That God does not abandon his people. If you are his, God will not abandon you, no matter what you experience. So how do, we, how do we hope in the Lord in this kind of way? Pick up with me again back in verse 18. I want to give you three things that Habakkuk says here that helps us understand how he can rejoice in God in the midst of this. So first of all, who is he exalting in, in verse 18? Exult in who? In the Lord. And, and so what do you notice there about the way that is written? It's written in all caps, right? And, and so what is that a reminder to us about? It's speaking about the name of God, right? When we say Yahweh. And, and so this is the covenant name of God. It speaks about his covenant faithfulness to his people. And, and so he Habakkuk here is remembering, he is exalting in the one, the God who is, the one who is covenantly faithful to his people. Habakkuk remembers that that is who his God is. Uh, and so second here, who does he say he's going to rejoice in? The God of who? The God of what? My salvation. This, I think, is the key to understanding how it is possible that that Habakkuk can respond in this kind of way, with this kind of faith and trust in God. That he remembers the Lord of his salvation. One commentator put it this way, His resolve is not merely to rest in the Lord's will through everything that would come to pass, but to rejoice fully in his saving God. Habakkuk's delight in God is greater than his concern for what is going to happen. His love for the Lord, his delight in him, his hope in God is greater than his focus on the things that are coming. His love for God drives him to this attitude, this overflowing rejoicing, even though though he knows this devastation is going to come in his life. And so if our hope and our delight is in something of this world, then that can be taken away. But if our hope, our delight, our longing is in God, that can never be removed. That can never be taken away from us. Is there anything that Satan can do that can separate us from our love, our delight, our God? No, nothing. Is there any evil? Is there any destruction? Is there any suffering that we will ever experience that will pull us away, separate us from God? No. This is the great truth that we get in Romans chapter 8 that, that Paul writes that if we it shall, uh, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, can any of those things separate us from God? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we remember and we get that truth about God being our Savior, then nothing can separate us from Him. And so when we rest on that and we think upon that, no matter what it is that we face, we can still rejoice in the God of our salvation because He reigns and He holds us forever in the palm of His hand. Forever. This is the great hope that we have. And so when we remember that hope, we do not rely on our own strength. The certain truth is your strength will fail. When you go through times of loss and suffering and pain, your strength will fail but there is one whose strength is unending. And so Habakkuk says, the, the Lord God is my strength. You see, when you face suffering, you face—you have two different options. You can endure it, face it in your own strength, or you can rely upon the strength of the Lord to carry you through and help you persevere, endure in the midst of that. And there is a distinctly Christian way To respond to the suffering you experience in your life. And that is what Habakkuk is describing here. This rest in God. Trust in God no matter what may come. That he remains sovereign over all things. That he remains loving and covenantly devoted to his people. This is how we can be like Habakkuk. Where, where he says, he has made my feet like hinds feet, walk on my high places. This, this kind of sure-footedness, walking through no matter what suffering or pain or struggle might come into our lives, resting in the strength of our Lord. You remember that story I told you at the beginning about this, this family in which the, the kids were killed in, in the van in this horrible accident. Not too long after that happened, the husband looked at his wife and said, God has been preparing us all these years to be able to stand in the midst of this. In the face of utter loss and devastation, how could he have that kind of hope? because of a certainty of who God is and a trust in Him. And and so, my question for me and you tonight, how will we respond when difficult, painful, devastating times come into our lives? What will it be That we respond? Will it be that we grit our teeth and persevere on our own? Or will we step back and look like Habakkuk did and see that there is a God of history who reigns over everything? And the God of history who reigns over all of the universe and is sovereignly working out everything in the universe according to his plan and is working out everything in history is also working out every single thing that happens in my life. And so I can step back and trust and know that God is also working in this devastation that I am experiencing right now. This is the message of Habakkuk, is that when you and I face these things, We can also respond. Though everything fails in my life. Though I lose everything I hold dear. Though there is devastation in the land. Though I face unbelievable suffering. Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. This is the hope. That you and I have. I don't know what you might currently be experiencing, and I don't know what might be down the road for any of us. But when those times come, let us look to these truths that we've seen in Habakkuk and remember that our God reigns, and He is the Lord of our salvation let's pray together our Father we remember